You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to episode 19 of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris, and Bob is lost in Maine. I got the text this morning. Sorry, Chris, I'm in Maine. What's Who he go- doing in Maine? That's a great question. It's a nice place, though. I guess. I, Bob, whenever he misses the podcast, there's always an adventurous story behind it. <laughs> and it, sometimes it's just him saving Cyberland. Um, but this time he texts me and said, I'm in Maine. And then he said later he caught the 6 a.m. ferry from Port Jeff to uh, Bridgeport. Hmm. So Bob will not be here this evening, which means everything that's on the script that we say we never read that says Bob will be read by Chris. Okay. That works. <laughs> Can I be Bob? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you really want to live up to that. Bob. <laughs> okay. So today we actually took the podcast on the road and we are coming to you from the Port Washington Public Library in, of all places, Port Washington, New York, which is for those of you who are following along at home and know anything about New York or Long Island, that is, I've crossed the border into Nassau. Nassau County from Suffolk County. Um, if you, this is the first, uh, I, I always mess up something okay. in this podcast. <laughs> so if this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. Our, the Library Pros podcast is produced bi-monthly, so don't forget to check us out and subscribe to our RSS feed, iTunes, Android, email, and now on Google Play. And if you listen to our other podcasts, you kind of know all this stuff already. Uh, links and notes from today's uh, podcast can be found on our website. Uh, I won't say the W's because Bob gets mad at me. Thelibrarypros.com. On Twitter, at thelibrarypros, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibrarypros. Today, we did have three guests, but one bailed to go to LaGuardia Airport. Yeah, he had to pick up his brother. Yeah, so mm-hmm. today, <laughs> our figure. guests are James family. Hutter. Putting family first. Ridiculous. Family, how dare he? <laughs> Doesn't he realize it's more important? Seriously. Yeah. Talking, we're talking into an iPad. It's more important. <laughs> and hopefully those listeners in Japan are listening to us. Right. Okay, so our guests are James Hutter, technology librarian and head of computer services. And Dan, okay, say it for me, last name. No, try. Come on. <laughs> Come on, give it a shot. Then you're going to have to try my last name. Right. Uh, Chismir? No, no, not bad. Not bad? Close. Chusmer. 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 All right, there you go. He's the community relations department head. And we did have uh, Keith Klang, who's going to be here, the head of adult services, but, you know, he's picked family over podcasting. How dare he? I hope he gets stuck in all the construction of LaGuardia. (laughs) We'll hold this one against him. Sure. So when I come back again, because I am going to start doing some repeats with some really good guests, and I can tell right away you guys are going to be awesome, because you know how to laugh, Um, (laughs) we'll have him back, and we will rip him apart. Absolutely. All right. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Uh, Today, we're going to speak with James... And Dan, no Keith, crossing him off the list. <laughs> Big red line. Yep. Exactly. About the Port Washington Public Library and all the digital services that they provide that may also be over where you are in library land. But first, we always like to find out about our guests and what you guys are all about, where you're from, and all that good stuff. So let's talk first. Let's start at the beginning. Where'd you guys get your degrees? Coincidentally, the same place. Same place, yeah. same time, pretty much. Really? Queens College. Queens College. Queens College. Little Queens College. Are there any people that go to Post anymore? There's a few. Yeah, some. Yeah. But That's where I went. Yeah, they have more money than us. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to deal with the traffic on Main Street. Uh, <laughs> I don't blame it, you. It or the parking. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. 
so how long have you guys been doing uh, library stuff? Like, in, well, actually in the profession. And um, how many libraries have you worked in? I've worked um, like nearly 17 years in libraries. So that's a lot. Yeah. Wow. Block a little bit. Hmm. Um, but I've worked for a few different libraries and now I'm here. That's cool. I've um, only six years or so for me. Okay. And really just this one. You guys, uh, that's not so bad. Yeah. There was actually, there was one more too, but we won't mention it. Oh, I know yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, let's see. As I lose my place. <laughs> uh, let's see. How long have you guys been here at Port? Well, I think I just answered that question. You did just answer that. Yeah. And then this is where Bob makes fun of me. <laughs> now you know why he makes fun of me, right? James, you yeah. go on that one. Well, Dan's been here a little bit longer than I. I've been here almost a year at this point. Okay. Yeah, just creeping up on a year in June. Okay. So, so far, so good. Okay, that's good. That's a beautiful building. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's got it's that, you know, brutalist architecture. Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> it works, though. It works. Yeah. If you want to picture it, picture a, a large concrete box with some windows. And a beautiful view. Yeah, oh, very yeah. nice view. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, well, the reading room when you walk in at sunset. It's like jaw-dropping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really. Great. Yeah, it's yeah. really amazing. Yeah, you, you don't see Manhattan, though. You can only see the Bronx, oh, right? you can. Yeah, no, you can see Manhattan from, from some spots in town here. And uh, you see the bridges, you see the Bronx. Yeah. That's very cool. And the harbor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That kind yeah. of seals the deal. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, so tell me, uh, how large is the district? Uh, it's about 32,000. Okay. And we're a school district library, so it's our, it's our school district. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they follow the same, the same boundaries. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and um, tell us a little bit about the community. Well, <laughs> as a newbie, because I just moved here about a year ago, okay, uh, I'm loving it. The community is terrific. The location's terrific. I feel like it is sort of like its own little thing, you know, because it's on a peninsula, right? Uh, so I don't find myself leaving town that much. Everything I need mm -hmm. is right here, and I see all the same people in the library that I see in the Stop and Shop in town, or the grocery store, or when I go out to restaurants on Friday night. Mm -hmm. So it's nice. It and nice. that's what yeah. most people usually say when they move to Port. They're just amazed by the community. It's very closely knit. Yeah, it's in very closely knit. Yeah. yeah. It's a commuter town, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like a, a town in and of itself. It mm -hmm. doesn't feel like uh, your typical, you know, it has a small suburbia. town feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. It does, yeah. yeah. It's got the main street. It's got the, you know, it's, it's very, yeah. It's got a strong you know, identity. Sort of, yeah, think, strong yeah. identity, yeah. exactly. Strong yeah. community identity. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the fastest time we've ever plowed through finding out about our guests. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a really short segment. Yeah. Um, so let's take a quick break, and we will get into the nuts and bolts of what we're going to talk about today. So we'll be back in just a minute. And then...
Okay, we are back with James and Dan, and we're talking Port Washington library stuff. So let's get into it. The first thing we wanted to ask, or I wanted to ask if Bob was here, it would be away. Um, and just because um, it's been a growing trend in libraries, you know, tell us about your teen space. I may defer to Dan on this. <laughs> we were about that I wish we uh, had a teen librarian here. Um, yeah, no, it's great. It's a great teen space, um, and um, you know, I don't it's like know. It's like busting at the seams. I think that's really yeah, the stage we're at. There's a lot of kids coming in. I don't know. I see you were wondering how long we've had it, and yeah. I actually have no idea. But because um, it is interesting how it's it's become a demographic now in libraries. Yeah, mm -hmm. it really is. Yeah, and it's like something you have to cater to. Yeah, know, particularly here. I mean, the mm -hmm. high school and the middle school are pretty far away. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, we get a ton of teen traffic, mm -hmm. so they're traveling a good distance. To yeah, get here. and what we find is, you know, there's there's a ton of teen activities and there's a ton of teen resources. Sure, um, but we find kids just coming in and using the space all over you know you see mm -hmm. after school they're just in every nook and cranny of the library and um you know just doing their thing and you don't really need to get them in with anything in particular a lot of the time although you know the teen librarians do a great job of doing that but um a lot of the time it's it's the space it's the studying it's the you know it's the overall experience social as yeah. aspect yeah yeah, yeah. You know, it really is, because where I work, and I'm not saying the name because somebody will break my chops, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, we have a, a robust teen department, and on a Friday night, like I could tell you probably, it's now, by it's almost 7 o'clock in New York now, uh, by about 7.45, there'll be about 150 kids down there. Mm -hmm. So what's nice is that's going to build when they become, when they age out of teen and they become an adult, hopefully that, that new demographic that libraries are trying to get, the 20-something Mm -hmm. uh, they'll continue to come in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, you definitely will see that. Yeah. Yeah. As long yeah. as you provide good customer service, you know, have like cool things going on to always keep bringing them back as they age, like they're not going to run away. They're mm -hmm. going to stay away. And, and that's yeah. the, the new trick now. It used to be, you know, having a teen department to get the teens in. Now it's trying to retain them as 20 somethings. Mm -hmm. So I know that we're at, at the library that I work at, which shall not be named because I'll get picked on later. Um, <laughs> They, uh, you know, we try to, we're trying now to keep new and refreshing things in for, for younger adults, you know, mm -hmm. for in their late, early, late, early to late twenties, you know, whether it's musical performances by somebody playing a guitar or whether it's, you know, we do beer and brew where mm. we meet out at a, a bar and, and do a book discussion and those kinds of things. Not yeah. with the teens. I no, no, no. Okay. Once they age to 21. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's always like that, that missing demographic. Like yeah. 20 to 35, that library is mm -hmm. trying to bring in. Exactly. And that's yeah. especially hard in, in this town um, just because the town in general sort of is missing that demographic. It's, you know, after, you know, school, go to college, after college, live in the city, go wherever, and then, you know, people aren't really starting to move back until they have families. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, we do lack a certain demographic mm -hmm. that it's hard to capture but it's definitely giving pe people those you know getting people in the in the teen years is yeah definitely extremely important for 
even if they're not coming here, wherever they end up, that they, sure. you know, you're creating a library user. Right, yeah. and being on Long Island, it's kind of a hard thing to retain our, our 20-somethings. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, that's just a general right. problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, it's almost like not even like a technology answer to that question. It's really like when we walk around upstairs on any given day, I feel like teens are just looking for space. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. need to collaborate on homework and things like that. They can't do it at home. And they're coming to the library, and they just spill out everywhere. Mm-hmm. As Dan said, like every yeah. nook and cranny, they literally tripping over them. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's like one mm-hmm. of the, the biggest draws for them. And one thing that um, the um, YA librarians do here is they at um, test time they do a late night study hall. So oh, that's keep great. The library yeah. open till like eleven p.m. I think mm-hmm. there's one coming up soon, um, and. Um, you know, it, the place will just be packed. Like mm-hmm. teens just need that place to come study and study together, and and that really gives it a college and, feel too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. The teens use it, and we get such good feedback from the community when they hear about that. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, it's nice all around. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it's just staying open a couple hours later. It's not you know doesn't cost it's a lot, and yeah. it's not you know not a ton of preparation. So yeah, that's great. So assuming, you know, we assume that, you know, teens are uh, big users of the library, do they also participate in a lot of the technology you have available? They do, particularly with, like, mm-hmm. the 3D printer. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of teens going into our computer center to use the 3D printer. Um, but, you know, that's one of the things, like, when we talk about technology and teens, like, we've seen an immediate need for more technology items here. Like, mm-hmm. we've seen a ton more teens come in, and they are doing, like, collaborative projects together where they need to sit at a workstation, two or three of them together to work on something. And we're like, ah, that's probably the, one of the most immediate needs for us is to provide more areas like that. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, yeah. yeah. And that's something that we're playing for now in yeah. terms of having larger tech space. Yeah, and- you're kind of coming at us at an interesting time because we're in the middle of doing a major sort of uh, space planning project where we're looking at all our different service areas and like what are the immediate needs how can we fix this right away have you brought in a a consultant or an expert not yet not as of yet we've been keeping it mostly there have been consultants that have come in in the past and we've had architects look at various things but right now we're basically using the knowledge of the staff to gather recommendations and ideas which um, we've we've had some really good ones. You know, that's really important to listening to the uh, other employees too, oh, yeah. because they're the ones that have to live here and work here and mm-hmm. breathe mm-hmm. this place. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're reaching out and and asking for participation from the employees really is a good thing. Oh yeah, they have mm-hmm. to be involved. Yeah, it can't just be like us dictating to them like you're going to do this and you're going to do that. Like we need to really just sort of gather all the information from them, and then they're involved in the process and they're they're stakeholders. Right. Then it, it, it will just make the whole process a lot more successful. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And as much expertise as a you know someone from the outside is going to have in certain areas, they're always going to be missing certain subtleties that only you know the people out on the floor are going to know. Yeah. Right. Well, it makes sense too because, like you said, the subtleties. You know, when you're when you're working at a desk or you're you know if you do roaming or, or roving or whatever the the new term of art is, mm-hmm. you know you're going to see. Where there's problem spaces, maybe kids are hiding back there, or you know, maybe you know, there's a problem area, or there's an area that could be better utilized. You know, mm-hmm. like if you have a genealogy area, well, there's ancestry now. We really don't need that, and there's always the big discussion of reference books versus no reference books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And then you think about, you know, as little as maybe three or four years ago, reference collections were huge. Mm -hmm. And now, because of databases and online resources, you really don't need the print because the print is either out of date or just isn't relevant anymore. And the databases and online resources have gotten a lot easier to use, which has had a big impact, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. with our patrons that... You know, it's one thing to throw all that information at people, but if they can't navigate it or figure it out, it, it's not going to be utilized. But that's improved a lot mm-hmm. in the last few years. Yeah. And that's actually a good transition to my next question, uh, talking about technology and, and what you have that's loanable that can actually be taken out of the building. Well, even if it's loanable within the building, what are some of the, the resources that you have available? Um, well, one thing uh, we've had a lot of success with recently is uh, loaning Roku's, Roku streaming sticks. Mm-hmm. Um we have a Voodoo account that we purchase uh, movies and seasons of TV shows on, and, and we just loan the device. And that's been hugely popular um, as a way to um, you know, satisfy the ever-growing market for uh, streaming video. Mm. Um, that device is actually kind of cool. It gave us a lot of flexibility whenever, like, uh, I know you mentioned like when Prince died, we talked about having certain content available mm-hmm, to right. reflect that. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's Oscar season, we can quickly buy those titles and throw them on a streaming stick and not have to wait for DVDs or Blu-rays to arrive mm-hmm. right. in physical form. Like, sure. the, the turnaround is much quicker. Right. And we can do stuff on demand. We've had situations where people have said, oh, I'm re- I, you know, I really want to see this movie. We don't have it available. We buy it and give them a, a streaming stick, and they go home, and mm-hmm. it's there. Wow, how many so, sticks do you have? Uh, right now, we have seven, and uh, we're planning to get more. What's your loan period for it? One week. One week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that kind of makes sense what a DVD would be, right? Yeah, and I think that's mm-hmm. a comfortable amount of days. You know, And we have not just movies on there, but we also have like TV seasons, and I think mm-hmm. seven days is appropriate right. for that. Yeah. Unless you're yeah. watching like three seasons of Downton Abbey, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's always one thing that I've experienced, too. Well, how can you only say, you know, I'm taking out a whole season of Downton Abbey. How can I watch that in a week? Mm-hmm. I think you can. I mean, binge yeah. watching is well, like the latest thing. Just don't sleep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> With the way people binge, on, you know, on some of the series, it's like they barely need a week for some of these. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think viewer <laughs> habits have definitely changed. I mean, I think about my Netflix addiction and, like, I'm just plowing through Iron Fist right now. And mm-hmm. really, you, you do mm-hmm. watch, like, three or four episodes at a time. Isn't it amazing when you, you do that and then you think to yourself, when we were kids, we had to wait another whole week for another episode. Mm-hmm. And you, then we had you the, guys had TVs when we were kids. <laughs> oh man, that's a good one. <laughs> it was black and white with a lot of uh, rabbit ears, a lot of tinfoil. Like, yeah. <laughs> and for us out out east, we all we could get was Channel Eight, <laughs> WTNH in New Haven. Wow, that's pretty funny. So, some what are some of the other things that you guys circulate? Well, definitely um, e-readers. Yeah, I mean, those have been around in libraries for a while, mm-hmm. but they're still very popular. And again, it gives us like flexibility, and we can be nimble with them. You sure. Know? Mm-hmm. If an author dies, we can very quickly just load some of their hot titles onto an e-reader and then have it ready to be lent out. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's been popular. Um, we're searching uh, telescopes now. Yeah, tell me about that. I heard about that. That's unfortunately he stepped away. He had to pick up. Yeah, that's that, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, <laughs> let's call him. We'll call him in the car. Um, yeah, we we have two of them, um, and they're they're always out. Um, we may need more. But um, that really is cool, though. Yeah, they're basically so well. they're nice. Yeah. I don't know 
the model or you know what type they are. They're refracting or reflecting. Yeah, they're, 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 they're nice. They're nice. They're yeah. not like cheapo telescopes. They're, really, and they're not super expensive either. They're like really nice mid-range telescopes. They're pretty hardy. Like I think not that they could take a big drop, but they could take a little <laughs> bit of abuse. Uh-huh. And they're they're perfect for lending. Um, but what's cool with that is like we took like an old school technology like a telescope and we're able to merge it with digital services in this case apps. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. were able to take something that might be a little bit hard to use or if somebody brings it out in the backyard they're like I have no clue what I'm looking at right now in the sky mm-hmm. and we made like app recommendations to go with that. Oh wow, like night sky mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. For iOS, for Android, sure. you know, free apps too so mm-hmm. patrons don't have to pay for anything. Right. So for us that was like a cool way to blend like new and old. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. That really is cool. What other um, kind of what kind of e-readers do you have? That you start? We have Nooks. Mostly Nooks, yeah, and some Kindles mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for children's. Yeah, and then there are adult ones and ones dedicated for children's and teens. For teens, they put all the, uh, like, they'll do one dedicated e-reader for a whole series, mm-hmm. things like that. So a mix of Nooks and Kindles. Which mm-hmm. Nooks are they, the newer ones or the older? The older ones. The older ones. The, kin- yeah. the Nook tablets? The, the uh, glow lights. Glow lights, yeah. Glow yeah. lights, wow. Yeah, the they, old ones. They won't, had them. they won't die. They won't die. We're kind of hoping they're not they even do, in cases anymore. You know, we want something new, but um, they just never do. Yeah, I mean, they're not even in cases, and they <laughs> put up with the abuse fine. Well, how many yeah. floors up is this building? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys, I'm assuming, use overdrive, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have it through the uh, NASA consortium. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. we also have mm-hmm. the advantage service which is like a more tightly controlled curated uh, really tell us a little bit more about that we don't have that in suffolk uh, oh okay um yeah so advantage is basically a way um you know if you're operating in a in a consortium uh in a within a system where there's uh, more centralized purchasing you can each individual library can add their own titles in addition and add extra copies of titles that are only available to their patrons. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if there's a long hold list on, you know, the latest bestsellers throughout the county, we purchase a bunch of um, advantage copies that are available only to port card holders. So it helps to um, it helps our patrons, but it also helps the other patrons in the system by lessening the uh, demand on the, those, or, or the on overdrive those shared titles, copies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So advantages, you know, it's within overdrive. There's no, uh, the patron doesn't know any, any difference. It's just, you know, right. it just gets to them faster. Was, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, one cool thing that we've done, I've done in the past with that also is like for summer reading, mm-hmm. because if you're telling kids, Oh, that summer reading book you're looking for, it's on overdrive, but it's, a giant pool with like 55 right. libraries all looking right. at the same book. It's nice to build up like a little summer reading advantage collection. And then you can guarantee that the teens in your service area have access to those summer reading books mm-hmm. digitally. That's also good if you're doing a yeah. book club too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now all the libraries in uh, NASA have advantage, so they have the ability to do this. That's really great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, we don't have that. At least... This is where I put my foot in my mouth. At least I don't think we have it in Suffolk. Mm-hmm. Um, I no, have, I, I've, I've never heard of right. it before. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've, so. I've heard that, that that's true. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it interesting that we can be so close to each other yet have different ways of doing things? Oh, I've always yeah. found mm-hmm. that fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when, because we've done an episode with Merrick, another episode with Levittown, and we're really not that far apart. 
But because this is a, there's this imaginary line just west of Route 110, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we have to be like almost like different countries. Yeah. And yeah. it really doesn't make much sense to me. It well, then you have to to our west it's you know it's Always, even more different yeah, it's them so. <laughs> them it's uh yeah that's yeah like new york public and queens too. and yeah, yeah that's a completely yeah. different world mm-hmm. it's nice. i mean we made some inroads with working with suffolk like with inter interlibrary loan yes mm-hmm. that was right. like a pretty yeah. big deal for us yeah li link system yeah, yeah. li link is great because mm-hmm. now right. it opens us up to get stuff from you guys and, and the same thing for you to get from suffolk yeah mm-hmm. yeah that, that's been that a great a system and it's pretty efficient. It's more efficient than we first thought it was going to be. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the, the sa- it's the same amount of time as if I was into library loaning from Mattituck or from uh, Mastic Mariches. Mm-hmm. So if I put in for something and port comes up and I get it, I'm still going to get it in two or three business days. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, great. The turnaround's great on that. Yeah. yeah. So that really is kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. So what other uh, digital services do you have? I guess you have Hoopla as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like my pet favorite right now. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> I'm always stunned. I, I say to Dan yeah. every day, like every time I go to the gym and I start looking for random music to download, I am always shocked by what's available. Isn't it crazy? Mm-hmm. It's, they've got an awesome selection. It's really cool. It's a really like, good selection yeah, for music. To the most, yeah, I mean, I'm not listening to the most obscure music, but I'm always mm-hmm. stunned that, wow, they have that. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that. Yeah, it really is cool what they have. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, everything except Sony, which is a big, you know, that's a big one. Obviously. Right, it, it is a big so one. You're but... lacking some major artists, but but you know, ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't there that... it, it, one time? I, I don't think we have Freegal anymore, but we used to have Freegal, and that was the Sony catalog. Freegal is mm-hmm. right, exactly, which is why it's not on Hoopla. Right, so but yeah. it's the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think we have it anymore by us. Yeah, we don't have Freegal. I just think it, the cost came, it was too cost prohibitive mm-hmm. for us. But the Hoopla thing hits all the right buttons. Yeah. You know, for yeah. us and for our patrons. Yeah. And they're, you know, they, it's the um, collections for, you know, for video. We use the, the Rokus to make up for the fact that, you know, the video collection on Hoopla is not, you're not going to find the latest movies on there. Right. You're not going to find Rogue One, you know. Yeah. Right. But, um, but there's some interesting stuff, PBS documentaries, things like that. So we use it as a supplement to, you know, Roku's DVD collection, obviously. Um, and the music is great. Um, digital comics on it mm-hmm. are excellent. That Graphic collection novels. keeps growing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then um, as a supplement to, to uh, Overdrive, the e-books and audiobooks have been really good to have as well. Definitely. Have you guys experimented with Libby yet? Yes. A bit, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. we were just given the go-ahead to start using it as mainstream. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. really? Huh. Yeah. Wow. I actually downloaded the app and found that it's the app isn't showing up as beta anymore. It's not, which oh, okay. I was curious about. But they haven't said anything to us about switching over. Yeah, and to Suffolk, it, so we were given the green light to oh. start promoting oh. Libby. Interesting. It's nice. The improvements. I've, I mean, I've only used it a little bit. I, I keep relying on the actual OverDrive app, but mm-hmm. it seems like they did a lot of usability improvements. Which it's is streamlined be a lot. Extremely helpful. Yeah. The rebranding though is going to kill us. I think. Yes. Well. We're going to yeah. have to. That's going to be re- rough. <laughs> sort of teach the patrons like, oh, it's not OverDrive anymore. It's Libby. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a yeah. little source of frustration. And as someone here pointed out. Um, most people, I think, know Libby as, you know, canned pumpkin. 
Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. It's L-I-B-Y, right? No, I think it's actually L-I-B-B-Y. Is it really? I think, yeah. So various canned fruits and vegetables. So there may be a little confusion, like, you know. Wow. I didn't even think of that. That's really (laughs) funny. But I can honestly say I've used both Overdrive and Libby, and Libby Mm -hmm. is just so much more streamlined. And I think mm-hmm. once people get past the branding of, oh, we have to learn something new, when they start to realize that it's easier, just like any, anything new you introduce in a library, yeah. you get the eye roll from the patrons and, ugh. Mm-hmm. But then once they realize it and you give them a couple of months, I think you can actually get more people because they're going to say, hey, oh, it's yeah. better than Overdrive yeah. was. Because mm. there isn't the triple login and all that other stuff. Uh, Overdrive's come it's a long interesting, way. Though, we got, yeah. yeah, we got an update of Overdrive not that long ago, which seems to have all the features already that are in Libby. So when I look at Libby next to, over, next to our Overdrive, it looks exactly the same. It seems like the only thing that's changed more so is the branding. Mm-hmm. I haven't been in Overdrive in probably a few weeks, but huh. um, I know that with Libby, if you want to see your library, you hit library and boom, you're there. You don't yeah, have to guess like what you know, the three books are in the upper uh-huh. right-hand corner yep. and try to guess what things mm-hmm. are and hit menus to find yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. It's way, way better. Yeah. And it doesn't jump back and forth between the Overdrive app and the Overdrive right. website, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, library and the other stuff. Which so. was the source of endless confusion for a lot of our <laughs> patrons, and, and, and understandably so. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly that darn read button. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then not to mention the, uh, <clears throat> not to mention when, uh, you know, they get logged out intermittently. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they're saying, and, oh, the only message that comes up is, please contact your library. There's something wrong with your library card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with your library card. You just got logged out. <laughs> Cookie yeah. issues and things like that. Yeah. Just, yeah. But I mean, you live, you learn, and you move on. And yep. mm-hmm. you know, in in what I like to call library land, you know, you, sometimes you're going to get companies that know what they're doing. It's just that somehow it doesn't really translate when the engineers put the software together or yeah. the apps together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get where Overdrive's coming. I think they had a lot of hurdles to jump through when it came oh, to like yeah. DRM and mm-hmm. licensing and things mm-hmm. like that. I think publishers were very tightly controlling of their content at first. Yeah. Right. So that might have been hard for them to navigate. Well, so. that's a big issue too. Is that you know, it's it's not really, it's not necessarily their fault in terms of how complex it is. Because if you look at something like Hoopla, you just click borrow and it's there. Right. Um, there's no wait list. There's no holds. But that's because they're only licensing stuff that you know, it's old stuff. So right. to get the licensing for the the new popular stuff, they have to go through all these hoops and have all these rules and, you know, so it's, it, it's more clunky because of the, the situation with the publishers and it's not just the technology. Right. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about the, the library itself and, you know, libraries now are trying to find ways to reinvent themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is maker spaces and, you know, 3d printing and digital services. What, uh, has Port done to uh, to kind of, I don't want to say stay relevant because it really is kind of a silly thing to say, but to try to adapt to changing times. Hmm. I mean, 3D printing, you said you had 3D printing and, and that kind of thing. I think it just comes back to being nimble. I think, mm-hmm. you know, organizations, they end up like shooting themselves in the foot because they stay way too regimented. And like, you know, when I first started here, the Pokemon Go craze, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. had started. And what we did was it was simple, but they put a giant Pokeball 
made out of post-it notes in the window. Oh, that's and funny. And I was like immediately embracing the craze, the mm -hmm. fad, all the teens came running in. You know, where I think other libraries were extremely slow to react and they just completely missed that whole experience and that whole potential for foot traffic. Sure. So I think just any type of service, like you really have to be mm -hmm. nimble, you have to embrace it. What do patrons want? The second they tell you something, just do it, do it, don't Right. Worry. Yeah, I agree. I think that's key. It's just, it's less stuff that you have and more just a cultural shift, just the mindset that we're going to, you know, be open to just about anything. Sure. Yeah, you can't be like monolithic. It's not, no. Yeah. No, you can't live the the stereotype. Mm -hmm. And you know, the libraries that do that get caught behind, and you know, unfortunately, the patrons that live in that district end up suffering. Mm -hmm. That's a shame mm -hmm. because you know, even though we're all under budget crunch time with you know with the tax cap, and which if you're not in New York State, the tax cap uh, was imposed by New York State where uh, libraries cannot increase, and it's not just libraries, it's all municipalities in New York State, can't raise their budget more than 2% of the cost of living, which everyone is less. Yeah. And the last two years, it's been, the cost of living has been very, very low, mm -hmm. the cost of living increase. So we've been relegated to less than 2%. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, we kind of suffer for it. But, you know, you try to adapt and overcome and try yeah. to get bullet aid from the state and grants and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that just to keep ahead. Yeah, I think a lot of it is ideolo like ideological too. Like you have to have a, a mindset change. You know, for us, like reducing barriers to access, that doesn't cost anything. Mm -hmm. You know, to have policies right. that aren't like no, 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 you can't do this. You can't exactly, do that. Mm -hmm. it doesn't cost anything to change those policies and be more open as an organization, and that has a big impact too. Mm -hmm. Sure, that's true. You know, it's it's funny you talk about no. We like to call it the culture of no. Mm -hmm. What is the real impact of saying yes? Right. Like, I don't know what, if you have a drink policy or a food policy, but where I work, uh, we actually have a cafe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So people are getting coffees and cappuccinos and food. And so long as they're not spilling it, okay, even if they spill it on a keyboard, how much does it cost to replace a keyboard? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and how many keyboards do we have sitting in a closet somewhere? Yeah, exactly. Stockpiled mm -hmm. for years and years. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the old model of no, 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 no just for the sake of saying no, which maybe 15 years ago there was a reason because keyboards are more expensive or whatever the reason is. Uh, times have changed, so it's time to change the mindset as well. So saying no all the time, just, for, just because, and these are some of the dirtiest words you could say in a library, because that's the way it's always been done. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, that just doesn't work anymore. Uh -huh. It's a balance, we find. You know, there's <laughs> one thing... That's always a big issue is noise. You know, there's a limited amount of space. Yes. Everybody wants a different noise level. Some people want to talk. Some people want absolute silence. Staff. Some staff want absolute silence. Some <laughs> Good luck with talk. that. Right. Yeah. So we actually, I mean, we're pretty liberal as far as noise levels and letting mm -hmm. people talk. And we don't shush people generally. And um, we've, we've actually gotten complaints that... The librarians here are too loud mm -hmm. yeah. and talk to each other too much and talk to other patrons too much. So, I mean, it's incredible. If you think about it, we have patrons now shushing us. Um, I've heard that before, so too. Yeah. Not from yeah. your yeah. building, but from other, other places. It's, yeah, sure. Which is, mm -hmm. you know, quite a shift. So, um, you know, it's, it's striking a balance and recognizing that people have different needs and, you know, you want to swing the pendulum but you don't want to swing it so far that 
you alienate people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the days of having a library where there's no talking allowed anywhere, those are long gone. Right. Like right now we're looking at setting up like different zones where different behavior is allowed and and sort of expected. Mm -hmm. You know, in some areas we'll be quiet, quiet study. And others like the computer center now, you can talk normal volume or whatever. Um, because that's what patrons expect. That's what they need. You know, sometimes especially if they're trying to collaborate on a project or something. Right. right. Collaborate on a project or buy plane tickets or something. They're sitting <laughs> with somebody. In, even, if, like, even if they're cursing at the computer because they yeah. can't get it to print out right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. mindset has to really change too. Right. Yeah. And it's absolutely. Adapting to you know the way people do things. One thing recently we were talking about our photography policy. We had a policy that you can't take pictures in in the building because. You know, it's a privacy thing. You might get people in your pictures, but you know, it's to a have a building, right? To have yeah. no photography in a you know in a time when everybody's taking pictures with their phones of everything, and maybe taking pictures of books with their phones that they want to mm-hmm. remember or, or the any, architecture, you know, yeah, yeah see anything. Want, like uh, it's absurd, you know, to say yeah. no photography. So you, you have to recognize how people are using the space and using their technology and stuff, and yeah. just adapt accordingly. Yeah, and use common sense. Mm-hmm. I think when you have to reevaluate all these policies like every few years and just really take a common sense approach. Sure. You know, to and really just get away from that whole no thing. That's really right because you don't <laughs> want to exclude people from coming. The whole yeah, idea is that people exactly. are coming, and you want to keep people coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you, you know, when you hear the people say, we don't need libraries anymore because we have Google, you know, there's always going to be that component mm-hmm. of society that's going to be, you know, oh, my tax dollars, I don't want to pay for a library when really it's not a lot of money yeah. that they're actually paying. Mm-hmm. Although, um, thankfully, I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. Like, mm-hmm. people are starting to recognize the library more as like a cultural center. Yes. So I think mm-hmm. we are starting to see that sort of shift. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, too, because we've talked in the past about whether or not the actual term library has become kind of an antique word, a word that Mm -hmm. maybe it should be library and community center or library and technology center or technology center and library, where as much as the books were back in the day, the reason why you came to the library, maybe there may be 60% of why people come now. So maybe library... Maybe you shouldn't take a backseat, but it should be a conjunction title now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we kind of did a sort of subtle uh, messaging with that, with our, our logo. When we designed a new logo maybe five years ago, um, if you look at our logo now, it says Port Washington Public Library. And just the word public is in bold. Mm-hmm. And the message was that everything's a library. You have a library, you know, in every streaming service, every... You know, right. every platform has a quote-unquote library, but the the thing that sets us apart is that we're a public space. Right. Um, well, I mean, that, in, that makes a lot of sense. Because, yeah. you know, it, it's, a, it's a space. As much as it's a place, it's also a space for people to come and do things as opposed to just sit, take out a book, and then, you know, leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more than just checkouts now. I mean, everybody's gate counts are kind of going down a little bit, and circulation stats are going down. And we kind of live and die by stats. But if you think about it, there are some things that are hard to put stats on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mm-hmm. could put stats right. on downloads. You could put stats on how many times people walk in and out of the building. But you can't, I mean, you can kind of collect data on 3D printing and, and some of the other makerspace stuff. Mm-hmm. But 
it, the new thing is the UX, the user experience, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's really hard to gauge. Right, exactly. And you really have to you you really have to tell the story with stories more than with data. Right. And and we're not I we're not really great at doing that. We're, we're trying to do that more. I think you know, talking to the I, patrons, I mean, like, how do you use the libraries? Library? Meaning libraries as yeah. a whole. Yeah. 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 But but I mean, you know, you do talk about data, and we, we have a service called Lynda.com, which is like for online training and certification and things like that, learning and everything from Microsoft Office to accounting practices and stuff. Like Changing that. the oil in your car. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the stats on that are a little hard to gauge, or it's a little hard to like translate that into rationale for keeping the service. But then mm-hmm. a patron will come to us and be like, "I took a whole series of videos." Lynda.com gave me certifications when I was done. I put that on my resume, and I am convinced that's how I got my job. Mm-hmm. Right. That's like an amazing yeah. story and to get that you know right. backs up the service. Right. But that's one user. Mm-hmm. And there's right. a lot yeah. of talk. You know, there's a lot of talk about measuring outcomes, and yeah. that's right. If somebody gets a job because of a service you provide, that's mm-hmm. like your ultimate. It's almost outcome. like that. That service <laughs> mapping that that is starting to become a big thing now, which mm-hmm. I don't quite understand yet. Mm-hmm. Where you know somebody's stalking somebody else to see what their user experience is by mapping their ups and their downs, and mm. I saw that in computers and libraries. And quite frankly, I was confused by the whole thing. That, <laughs> you know, I thought maybe somebody needed order protection because. You know. Oh, I've seen that actually um, with eyeball tracking. Eyeball tracking. Eyeball mm. tracking. Where, like, if you create a website, you put eyeball trackers on somebody, and you're like, use this website, and you can see how their eyes move around on the page, mm. and you can use the amount of movement to gauge, are they finding what they're supposed to be finding? Are they finding what they're looking for? Wow. Yeah, that's mm. a little bit more advanced than what we're doing yeah. <laughs> day to day, but wow. user experience is so critical. Is that why people so. are putting duct tape over mm-hmm. their cameras on their laptops now? <laughs> that's a whole other issue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A whole other issue. But you're right. I mean, it is user experience. And until we can find a way to measure, you know, someone's satisfaction and not with, you know, with some dumb survey or something, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, when when somebody comes, like once I taught a LinkedIn class and I had 15 people in the class and three of those people within two months got jobs because I taught them how to use LinkedIn. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's only two or three people have a class of 15, but those are two or three people that got jobs. Right. You know, when you look at the data, it's only three out of 15. But when you look at, you know, if you look at it in stats in terms of font size, the 15 should be small and the three should be like a a 30 point font. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Because that's that's that user experience. That's improving the quality of someone's life. Yeah. Right. So, and by extension, you know, their family, their the community, you know, the community yeah. as a whole. Absolutely, yeah. 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 So, you know, you can't just look at raw data. Right. There's, there's a reason why they call it raw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and even if you were to crunch it and analyze it and quantify it, you start to get lost in the numbers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's so much better to have stories to go with these experiences. And right. I think that's what is keeping libraries not only relevant letting them thrive because mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. i don't know if you guys can talk maybe a little bit later about the types of classes that you offer i know from the classes that i've taught at the various libraries i've been at um one of my favorite stories is i had i was teaching ipad and i had these two gentlemen come in who were world war ii vets and they both served in bombers during world war ii not together but they found this camaraderie they found each other years later mm-hmm. and they both came in with sealed ipads 
like shrink rack still yep. in the box, mm-hmm. and they were angry that they were being forced to go to it. <laughs> and by the end of the class, all I did was show them YouTube, and they were watching you know documentaries about bombers and mm-hmm. documentaries about the war, and they were slapping each other on the back. I got one better than you. This this documentary is <laughs> better than the one you're watching, and. It just, it started the conversation. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. then the last time I had seen them, because I since moved to another library, um, they were not only doing YouTube, they were FaceTiming their grandkids. They were, they got involved and found other survivors from the war who were still alive, and they were getting together at the Cradle Aviation Museum, and it was all because they figured out how to use one basic part on an iPad. So again, user experience. Isn't mm-hmm. it great that yeah. they've got the shrink wrapped iPad they don't go to the Apple store first and they don't go to their grandkids first they go to the library first exactly that's yeah well they were angry at the grandkids for buying it for them (laughs) (laughs) but that's a great position for us to be in and the more we can get people seeing us as that first stop Mm -hmm. yeah the better and you know that really we're not trying to sell them something and that's the thing there's no you know you walk into a a department store or any store they're looking to make something off of you. We're not when we when you take the profit motivation out of something mm-hmm. and you're working as a not for profit, it changes the dynamic completely. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. now you're you're there to really just help people. Mm-hmm. And people, friends of mine who aren't in this world, they look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but until and quite frankly, they don't go in libraries, so they don't understand. But the second they need help, who are they calling? Chris, can you help me? My iPad's locked up again. <laughs> what do I do with this? And what was that trick you taught me to clear the cash? And, mm-hmm. you know, and, but then I said, well, you just had the experience. Mm-hmm. And right. if you go to a library and you mm-hmm. ask a librarian that, chances are you're going to get an answer. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be an answer, well, give me five bucks now. You know, right. way, we're still sort of like warehouses of knowledge. You know, it's not just books, mm-hmm. though, and in, in knowledge in the book format. Like I think about the tech one-on-ones we do upstairs in the computer center People come to us because we're a source of computer knowledge for them and technology knowledge, and they know sure. they can get mm-hmm. the answers. So, you know, in this case, it's not a book. It's a person that they're going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's been really terrific for us. I mean, we have a lot of experiences with people coming in with, just like you said, the item shrink wrapped, like a laptop still in the box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never been turned on before. And they're like, help me set this up. And how many times yeah. have, you, have you heard them say, my kids couldn't help me with this. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they just do it for me. And my answer always is, I can't help my mother either. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. it's impossible to help yeah. a, a family member. So it's like, well, that's why we're here. I think mm-hmm. people appreciate yeah. that. And, you know, that's a good point, too. Like, we sort of sit with people and we have them do things and we sort of, like, hold their hand and walk them through it. We don't just take the laptop, disappear in a room, and then come back 15 minutes and say, oh, here you go, it's all set up. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we really try to, like, teach people. It's an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's nice to see the gratefulness that you get from it. It's, it's cathartic. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it really makes you feel good because you're actually helping somebody. And you're not doing it because I got a commission to do it yep. or if I do 10 of these a week, I get an extra 30 bucks or mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. And that really is part of what we, why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important. And one thing that you know, I think is essential as libraries evolve in that role is is the role of systems because... Um, you know, we need somewhere to go. It really, you know, the system really democratizes uh, it in the sense that not every library has access to 
staff with that knowledge. Not every library has access to the equipment to train on. Um, you know, we it gives the library staff a place to go in addition to all the other services they provide to get that sort of training and um, then to bring it back home. And that's, you know, that shouldn't be overlooked. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe you can describe how it is in Nassau. In Suffolk, they actually have meeting rooms and a computer lab. We do. Mm-hmm. So we can do yeah. continuing ed and continuing <clears throat> training with professionals. Yeah, they um, do. Um, and Nassau does a ton of training, mm-hmm. great um, great sessions in all sorts of topics from, you know, customer service to technology to graphic design. And, um, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a wealth of knowledge. And it's funny, I had just done a, a, an episode with the Southern Cooperative Library System. Yes, uh, Kevin, I said cooperative and not county. Because um, <laughs> I made that mistake about 100 times. Uh, and we talked about all the different services and things that are available. And they are really our support system for when we need help mm-hmm. with something. Exactly. Whether it's coordinated orders or whether it's coming up with new databases to throw at us or you know, to have some kind of training or bring in a, a guest speaker who can help motivate us. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they really are essential to not only unifying the libraries together, but helping the libraries out. Yeah. yeah. And the efficiencies that they provide, you know, in an age when everyone's looking for efficiencies and cost cutting and sure. consolidation, just being able to get, you know, the, the, the clout to do a, a bulk um, the bulk ordering, yeah, bulk yeah. ordering, and um, you know, databases and digital services and advocacy, advocacy. You know, here in yes. New York yes. State, we're dealing Definitely. with some real budget issues, yeah, you know, and things like that. And we, we're much stronger as a organization of like fifty libraries, mm-hmm. as absolutely. Opposed to us, like piecemeal, trying to like grab the attention of our, you know, senator or whatever. Right. right. In Suffolk, they actually started something called the Lending Library. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, where they're actually lending technology now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have uh, virtual reality, uh, green screens, mm-hmm. um, 3D printers. And uh, does NASA do that too? Yeah. We do, yep. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it's an amazing service, especially if you're a library that can't afford to get the HTC Vive mm-hmm. or yeah. you know, even something as simple as a green screen. Yeah. Because you know, it's more than just a green screen. You also need an iPad or a camera that's able to you know, use the, the right software and, and make it happen and print and all those other things. Mm-hmm. It's more of a package than it is just a green curtain hanging down. Yeah, yeah that's cool. We haven't gotten the, the, um, the VR setup, VR setup yet. We have to do that. We've been talking about that. We need to find a space where people can flail their right. arms. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. And so, yeah, I'm going to say the name. It's Sachem. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is where Merrick clinks their glasses and Bob rolls yeah. his eyes and, <laughs> and all that stuff. We have the HTC Vive. Mm-hmm. And we set it up on a rolling cart. So we, can, we don't have it permanently set up somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we roll it in and roll it out. And we actually did outreach uh, last night. And it fits in the back of the minivan without having to take anything apart. And it rolls right out of the minivan. And you can just <laughs> set it up. Yeah. And That's it, great. It's, it, it was fun doing it with the kids. Because you know, with adults, it's like, wow, this is great. But the, the reaction from the kids, the same reaction every single kid after everybody in line has watched this, the person before them go, the, the reaction is, Whoa! No way! <laughs> and it's just a, a demo. Yeah. Uh-huh. So if you're getting that, and I like to use kids as like the, the real, like raw emotional reaction. Like mm-hmm. you know, you get that an adult who's jaded, but those still thinks it's cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is great! But to hear a kid react that way, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, 
it, it kind of says you're in the right direction. Yeah. You're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely. It really, right. you know, it was. kids are going to give it to you unfiltered. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And yeah. they're going to tell you that it sucks when it sucks, right. yeah. too. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and then the parent will say, don't say that. That's mean. <laughs> no, I, I actually well, look. Feedback. I good look for that have. as feedback. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, because you, you need that kind of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I'm not looking at my script right now, uh, the script that I say and I never use. Uh, <laughs> we already talked about a bunch of this stuff. It, it's great when you can look down and in just an organic conversation, you hit all the points mm-hmm. without even really having to look at you know the bullet points that you have all laid this out. Stuff ties together. Mm-hmm. That's why you yeah. know it, it all really ties does. Together. And I've interviewed people in California, Illinois, Texas, way upstate, and it's all the same talking points. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's important to keep talking about these things because as much as it's the same conversation, it's done in a different way because everybody does things differently. In, mm-hmm. in NASA, what uh, catalog service do you use? use Your ILS. Yeah. You have Sierra too? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because yep. mm-hmm. um, I've been doing a lot of interviews with North Country Library System people and they use Cersei uh, Dynix, mm-hmm. which my wife actually works at the Connecticut Library and they use Cersei Dynix. They're standalone. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to hear the different experiences with the different ILSs mm-hmm. yeah. and how they integrate with some things and not with others. And, you know, Sierra, it has have its shortcomings, but, you know, it works really well. I mean, and the fact that it ties into LI Link so we can get stuff from you, from you and NASA yeah. and, and vice versa, you know, it really has come a long way. It's, this is a conversation. It's come along. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we have time for this conversation. <laughs> some, some, there. There's some it, history here. Yeah. So. I think we worry yeah. more about the public-facing <laughs> side of Sierra. Yeah, the staff side. It is what it is. We'll train. We'll deal with it. But we always worry about like the OPAC no, and things like course. that. Right. Again, back to the usability issue, right. and that's where we're trying to make some improvements. Yeah, right. I mean, and at the end of the day, you know, we can, you know, it's there are terms of art we understand, and there's particular software that we understand. But when it comes to the layperson, if I can even call a patron a layperson, mm-hmm. I mean, considering I guess we're professionals in a certain profession. You know, there is a learning curve. And every time they switch it up and they change it, yeah. you know, it, mm-hmm. there's that. I always, I always say it's like the grieving process. There's shock, and then there's anger, and then there's sadness, and then there's <laughs> acceptance. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing when it comes to, uh, you know, technology. Yeah. It just always drives me crazy when, you know, you can have a patron walk up to a computer with Google open on the screen, and mm-hmm. they'll instantly type something into the box and start searching. Mm-hmm. Right. We'll have a patron walk up to our OPAC and they like freeze, <laughs> right. and that's usually what like, do I do with this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's uh, it needs some yeah. improvement, right? And I always explain to them. I mean, I don't know how it is here in Nassau, but in Suffolk, I say, look, it's not just like Google. If you misspell a word, it's not going to come up. But why? Mm-hmm. Right. Why? Well, that <laughs> is that's the sixty-four thousand dollar yeah. question, you know. Yeah. And I always joke with with my friends and colleagues, saying, at some point, when does Google start? getting into the ILS business. But I don't think that there's enough money in it for them no, to, no, to do it. No. But knowing Google, yeah. they could find a way to, <laughs> to make it profitable yeah. for some strange reason. But just yeah. to, to offer, you know... Although I would be worried about the data mining. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Google, I love them to death, but... Oh, boy. They're a necessary evil nowadays, but yeah. you never know. Yeah. You know, it, it really mm. is kind of crazy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think we're always going to be playing catch up on on tech and you know in terms mm-hmm. of what's available to us just because you know we're not able to throw the amounts of money at stuff that that 
you know they are in the in the corporate world yeah. so right you know, yeah it's just just the way it is and we make the best of it mm-hmm. right and we keep pushing forward yeah it's really, you know that's what you can do yeah we don't throw up our hands and say whatever mm-hmm. you, you can't know? you can't give up yeah you know and it's not the way it was 15 20 years ago where things moved at a very slow pace yeah mm-hmm. you know every time i open tech news i'm seeing new things and saying oh wow we should really get on something like that you have to just keep hitting these vendors and be like, can't you do this? Mm-hmm. Can't you do that? Yeah. People would really like to see this and you have to kind of keep pushing them forward too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to switch gears for a minute, uh, one thing that I've been exploring with, with some of the professional committees that I belong to uh, is streaming, mm-hmm. uh, live streaming of video. Um, mm, yeah. It's something that we're considering um, that we're already doing with, with in Suffolk County and Suffolk County Library Association. Um, with the CATS group and the technology forum that I'm part of. Uh, actually, yesterday we streamed the meeting. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so this is something that we're getting involved in more because even though you may only have three or four live uh, viewers, the legacy of it sitting on Facebook and sitting there, I think as of yesterday, we just after 24 hours, we're up to 200 views, nice. mm, which great. is more than we usually get at a meeting. We get about 25, 30 people. So we're getting mm-hmm. more exposure for that material. Mm. This uh, is a great thing for James to talk about because we, we, we just did this recently test. set yeah. this up for, mm-hmm. for the first time. And yeah, we had a local event that was of like major importance for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was basically a community meeting here at the library. And it got to the point where we couldn't even accommodate all the people that wanted to be here. That's just great. Just the fire code. Yeah, sure. Um, so what we did is we actually set up a Facebook live stream um, and it was like insane the feedback we got. First of all, like when we did a little test of it, people immediately saw the notification on Facebook and jumped on and said, What are you doing? I know what you're doing, this and that. So like I think our patrons are already familiar with the technology and mm-hmm. they were kind of like tuned into what we had uh planned for that evening. Right. Uh but that was incredible. I mean, we had people from all over New York watching this live feed and we had like something that we knew it would be popular, but we reached like 3,600 people. No way, really? So they got like that Facebook, like Port Washington Public Library is live. They saw that notification. We had 1,400 views. Wow, that's great. Yeah, 14 shares, which doesn't sound like a huge number, but the shares are sort of viral in a way. And people are right. sharing, and then somebody else is sharing that share. So that was terrific, but that made us really step back and be like, uh, we need a policy now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. We're going to have mm-hmm. to start. We want to use this. We have to use it, but let's just figure this out. Right. So, and it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, two meetings ago, we did a demonstration on how it works. Mm-hmm. And then the next meeting we had was a guest who didn't have a problem with us streaming it, but I had a concern because they were from a vendor. Okay. And we didn't want to make it seem like we were promoting this yeah. particular vendor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though the information she was giving was great and they were on New York State contract and yeah. a lot of people got a lot from it and she did get a lot of orders from it. I felt a little uncomfortable because I didn't want it to seem like it was an endorsement. Right. Yeah. So there are all these different aspects to it. Yeah. And then you also have to have consent from the speaker. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, right. yesterday we had Caroline Tack from, Mer- from Merrick mm-hmm. speaking. And I said to her right away, look, we, we try to stream these meetings because it gets greater, it gets, it, it, it's educational for, for, you know, the profession. 
So do you have a problem? She's like, stream it all you want. I don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'll get other people say, well, you know, I, I, I usually get paid to do this. And if it's <laughs> out there, then nobody's going to want to pay me anymore to do it uh-huh. because then they can just find it on YouTube or, or Facebook or wherever you're putting it. So mm-hmm. th- there is kind of like a, a little tap dance you have to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, there are people who are going to have that concern. Anyone who thinks that nobody's going to come see them in person because there's they're their shtick is on Facebook is just not not a very engaging live speaker. <laughs> shouldn't be in that line of work. Uh, I know yeah. bands that are doing that Facebook right. Live and they're leaving it archived on their Facebook page and they're using it to build an audience. Right, exactly. You know, it like, gets you out there. No one's gonna, yeah. yeah, if a band's in town, you don't want to sit at home watching them on like, <laughs> right, yeah. Facebook yeah. live video. People are skipping like, concerts oh, all the time because they, they can watch live. it yeah, on YouTube. Or, 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 yeah, yeah, somebody's YouTube streaming right. it live, and that doesn't mean I'm not going to go see that band. Yeah, right. I'm going to say, wow, they play that song. I want to go see that. Or, mm-hmm. or if it's a speaker. I've seen a few of their talks. Like, it's great. They're in town. They're going to be at this local library. I want to see them in person and see it mm-hmm. live with my own eyeballs. If anything, right. it's free advertising. Yeah. Plus, you know, you want to be part of an audience and have mm-hmm. that interaction. So. Sure. Yeah, I think it's it's great. I think, you know, content creation is is the thing everybody needs to do and mm-hmm. and we can do it and you know, we've started filming more of our performances and author talks and, and that gets really tricky when it comes to the performances and, because yeah, you have licensing issues. You have to tease out, yeah, mm-hmm. copyright issues and yeah. things like that. So we're actually in the middle of just formulating policy. But again, mm-hmm. we, we don't want it to be the no, no, no right. policy. We're trying to take like a common sense look at, at the situation. But, mm-hmm. you know, and even not even just performances, but we're talking about it for like PR reasons. Like we can, we can do like a Facebook Live two-minute video on how to use Hoopla or what is Hoopla. And sure. there can be staff doing these videos and then there's no real privacy concerns. But you're reaching a huge audience by doing that. Oh, absolutely. And now, dare I say it, you're even becoming like your own lynda.com mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. But yet not infringing on what lynda.com does either. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's, isn't it interesting how there's all the digital stuff that's out there now, you can do something and even though it seems like it's another, ser- like copying another service, it really isn't because of the way you provide the service. Yep. Right. Right. Yep. And the best part about Facebook Live is you don't have to deal with any infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we did it with an iPad Pro and a Wi-Fi connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was enough to and get And you don't by. have to worry about crashing a server or too many, you know, Bandwidth too many logins, bandwidth yeah. or anything. Facebook handles everything. I mean, mm-hmm. Facebook has their own policies and things, <laughs> right. too, which we'll have to tease out, you know, as far as uh, archiving video yeah. and stuff like that. but. Right, you know, it's such a powerful platform. You got to you know, take advantage of it. Right, and YouTube yeah. also has the same thing. You just the only thing that's kind of a downer is you need a plug-in if you're using an iDevice okay. or a mobile mm-hmm. device. You need a plug-in, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. then will allow you to do the stream. Mm-hmm. But again, Facebook's doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, YouTube's doing all the heavy lifting. Yep. And they do the push out. So whoever's following you says, "Oh, Chris went live," and I was testing it, and my brother texted me about 20 minutes after I was testing it and he goes you realize you took a video of your leg for a minute and a half <laughs> I'm like oh I guess it worked yeah. I was actually preparing it for that that technology meeting mm-hmm. and yeah there was video of my leg sitting in a waiting room <laughs> <laughs> so the push worked how yeah. many views did that get you know that's a good question I should find did out did that go viral or was it- oh yeah, yeah. A, a le- <laughs> legs in a waiting room that's, yeah, you know if the podcast doesn't work out you there's know, always the leg there's yeah. always the leg <laughs> so the leg videos. 
Oh, that's great. So yeah, I mean, streaming seems to be the the new in vogue thing, and it's cheap. It's free. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the one of these like no cost solutions for. And that in and of itself is amazing. Yeah. Because think about what infrastructure you would need if you were trying to do this on your own. Right. You know, and even if your library can't afford an iPad Pro, pretty much everyone has like a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, sure. so you or can an iPod. Have a staff member. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important for libraries. Like you know, there's always. Um, people who want to reinvent the wheel and say, oh, we need to build this on our website or we need to do this on, you know, um, we need to create this. When it's something that's already out there that we can easily use for free or for a small amount of money, you know, Mm -hmm. why build something on your website when you can put it on YouTube or why create streaming infrastructure when you can use Facebook Live? You know, it's, there are platforms that people are already familiar with that are easy to use and are built for that, take advantage of yeah. them. Sure. Even something like WordPress. Think about, I mean, geez, yeah. you know, you, you were toiling away using Dreamweaver. Oh, yeah, back and, in the day. And now... And trying you, to train people how to use it oh, and stuff God. like that was like abysmal. But Oh, it's like trying to train yourself on, you know, Adobe Illustrator yeah. or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, where it's infinitely difficult to use. Yeah. But, you know, it, you know even the, the site we have for the podcast, it's a WordPress. Mm-hmm. And for what I use for hosting, the reason why I used my audio hoster is because I had a plug-in. Mm-hmm. So all I have to do is yeah. drag and drop the audio file, and boom, it's yeah. there. Uh-huh. You yeah. put your content in, and it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why reinvent the wheel if WordPress can do like 95% of what you need? Right, uh, exactly. You know? And part of you know user experience is making it easy for the user with something they already know how to navigate. Yeah. And, you know, so you don't want to... Have people learning how to use something new if it's unnecessary. We have like our own video platform. We'd be telling people go to this website, click here, download this plugin, or something like that. Oh, Facebook, yeah. we've got like this huge sort of like captured audience already. People, mm-hmm. and it's on all, every device. Yeah, exactly. even a Windows phone. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even a BlackBerry. <laughs> what? They're still around. I, you know, we were where were we? We were computers and libraries, and there was a woman sitting in front of us, and she took out a BlackBerry with the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it for a second. I'm like, is that a Palm Trio? <laughs> and I'm like, wait, that's a... And so I nudged my friend next to me, and I, we, I just pointed. He goes, yeah, BlackBerry. Yep. <laughs> and we just looked at each other and shook each other's heads. Like, you might as well just have a Windows phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But, yeah. Still but, it, but, she, but she was live streaming on Facebook. Huh. So, with wow. a BlackBerry, which huh. is bizarre to me. Yeah, that's really the, that's interesting. Yeah, I just thought they didn't even support it anymore. Yeah. Blackberries, like they wouldn't even be pushing out new software. But I don't know. Maybe she got to the web website and was mm-hmm. doing it yeah. directly from the website. How she was doing it, I don't know, because the Wi-Fi was so terrible in that oh. in in that room. <laughs> I can't even imagine she connected no less with a BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was an iPhone in a case that looked like a BlackBerry. <laughs> that would be cool, actually. We should. <laughs> That would be funny. Yeah. yeah, there you 3D go. Print one black filament. Like disguise your phone as as something else. Some yeah. other yeah. object. Like the technology. iPhone cases look like cassettes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny you bring up 3D printing. We really didn't talk much about what you have in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, a makerspace. If you have a makerspace, what those kind of things you have. We are like just getting our feet yeah. wet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a, a MakerBot fifth gen 3D printer. Okay. Uh, which we rolled out back in October. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just 
been in, actually it's dead it blew up today <laughs> I, was, I was just going to ask him so, how the extruder was going <laughs> I have to get shipped back to Brooklyn but um, that's been non-stop that's really been non-stop and we've really taken well it was non-stop until well, yeah. today now it's stopped <laughs> it stopped yeah. But, um, yeah I mean that was like I think that is really just attributed to our approach to how we were going to set that up. Mm -hmm. You know, we started going crazy looking at policies and it became a whole no, no, no thing. And then we're like, let's just, we're looking at this the wrong way. It was a matter of just putting it in a very visible spot, having really simple streamlined policies, keeping the price as low as possible, Mm -hmm. training Mm -hmm. the staff, getting the staff excited about it. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. and really just telling people you can print whatever you want. Yeah. We don't really care. Pick any color filament, like go to town. I think it, we were really struggling with it at first because it was kind of, we kept asking ourselves, what can we do with this? What can we yeah. do with this? And then it was sort of like, well, what can they do with it? Yeah, right. You know, we don't have to necessarily It's more do like just make it, it available. Just make yeah. it available. And that's when, you know, we found out that there was way more demand for it than we, just to use it than we ever expected. Yeah. yeah. I think also for the first month we made it free mm-hmm. as a PR Thing. So mm-hmm. people were constantly using printing like little doodads and stuff like that. But it was always in motion. So anyone walking by was suddenly like, "What is that? Is that a three D printer?" Yeah, exactly. I heard about those things. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that's been great. But we don't tell anyone. Uh, people have printed all sorts of random stuff, and like I've heard little anecdotes from other libraries where they don't let teens print certain objects because it's like not educational and stuff like that. Right now mm-hmm. we're churning out fidget spinners. Like, oh god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, Hundreds a day, but um, which is absurd, by the way. Yeah. If anyone oh, out there is absurd. telling kids that they can't print something because it's not educational, just it, just it stop, please. But you know what it is too. <laughs> at Sachem, we have um, three three. We have, we have four three D printers, but three mm. of them are uh, filament printers. Mm-hmm. And we bought one of these originally because it was like at the time was three hundred and fifty bucks, uh-huh. and we used it as an attention getter. Just put it behind the reference desk, and engineers came out of everywhere. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. You know, and the kids and everything else. So that printer we bought as a throwaway, mm-hmm. and it worked so well, and the price lowered. We ended up buying three more. Yeah. Hmm. And so we have now we have well, one's not working now. So we have three of them plus the the liquid resin one, and it, it's amazing how it just attracts the kids. And we have three mm-hmm. different mindsets. So in children's, there's a menu you pick from the menu. Uh huh. Teens, there's a menu, but if you submit a project, we'll accept the project. And mm-hmm. in the adult department, what do you want to make? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it kind of covers all of the bases. Yeah. As long as they're not, you know, making mm-hmm. weapons or, mm-hmm. you know, making inappropriate material, mm-hmm. the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So That's you want to cool. make a spinner? Great. Mm-hmm. Have fun. But we also don't charge if they can prove it's a school project. Hmm. Or if it's oh, for a cool. school project, so nice. we don't charge. Yeah. One girl was doing a biography of uh, a speech about Lincoln. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So we printed a Lincoln bust for her. Oh, cool! Oh, we printed great. it in gold, and she got to put it on the on the stage. And oh, nice! So that's again buy-in with the with the uh, patron. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not killing you with price. And if it's for a school project, there's no way we're going to charge you for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it doesn't make any sense. And it's removing a barrier. Exactly. Right. You know, she may have been like, "I'm not going to pay five bucks for a Lincoln bust for my school project." Well, what's really nice too is you see the. Um, the look of astonishment. Wait, this is free? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's for school, right? Well, yeah, but it's free? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's free. Or if, because the amount that we charge is a nominal fee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if it's, it's 50 cents a half hour, so if it's a five-hour print, it's five bucks. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
and it's only five bucks. Don't you want some more money? <laughs> that's, that's what we usually get when we bring them up to start to pay for it. So, uh-huh. I mean, how do you guys charge? Dollar per hour. Dollar so an it's hour. Pretty much the same rate if it's yeah. 50 cents per mm-hmm. hour. Um, and we usually round down too. So, if it's yeah. like, you know, two hours and 28 minutes, it's two hours. Mm hmm. No one has complained about the price, and it covers the cost of materials, so we're doing pretty good. But, um, yeah, really, I mean, we've had some older people come in to print, like, replacement parts and yes. things like that. That's a huge and same thing. thing. When we tell them the price, they're like, what? You know, they're <laughs> always, like, thrilled that we're not How many dishwasher wrong. wheels have you made? <laughs> none, none, but we've done a bunch of garage door gears and things like that. Really? So, yeah, I think, <laughs> you know, that's been really awesome. Um, but, yeah, the, the 3D printer stuff, like I can't, uh, I hate going to a library and I see it idle. Uh-huh. And when yeah. you find out it's because, oh, because their policy is like five pages long and mm-hmm. no one knows how to use the thing <laughs> or you can't change the filament color. Like mm-hmm. uh, right. that, that, that sort of stuff drives me crazy. Well, whenever we talk about 3D printing, we always bring up our friend Ellen Druda. Mm-hmm. Partially because every time we bring up her name, she has to give us five dollars. Okay. <laughs> so we usually bring up Ellen Druda's name at least $20 worth every podcast. Do mm-hmm. we get a cut of that? Yeah. Every everybody gets a fifty fifty cut. Every all the guests, so you guys can How split your fifty percent. Oh, all right, all right. So we so we still have it. Ellen hasn't written us, a check yet. So we're but, just okay. each getting twenty five percent. Is what right. you're saying? You get twenty five percent. We need to renegotiate. That's not going to work. Oh me. man, Bob's not here to back me up. Yeah. You know what? He'd probably throw me under the bus and say, "Give you guys all the money," but he's in Maine. So what does he know? <laughs> he doesn't even have Wi Fi or three G or four G or LTE right now. He's probably petting a pine tree. Um, <laughs> But uh, Ellen, uh, she's at Half Hollow Hills, and they've been doing a project with Enable now for a few years where they're printing prosthetic hands for children. Mm, yes, yeah. I've read about that. Yeah. yeah. And again, Ellen, I think we're up to $25 now. Ellen Druda, <laughs> Ellen Druda, Ellen Druda. Uh, but she was kind of, they were like the pioneers over in Half Hollow. They were one of the mm-hmm. first ones to get, uh, they, I think they had a maker bot. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone kind of just followed suit. And then I don't want to say pass. I think we all kind of evolved in doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Ellen, you know, deserves kudos for that. But it, it, she's the kind of like the benchmark, at least in Suffolk County, yeah. um, of what you can do to, mm-hmm. you know, affect people's lives. Yeah, yeah that's great. In fact, it, there was a, a gentleman who just came in, an engineer, and he, uh, he wanted to use the liquid resin printer that we have. Mm-hmm. And there's a particular resin we have when it prints and it it solidifies and, and cures. It's like rubber. Oh, neat. So it's literally like a malleable, like rubber. Mm-hmm. And uh, he printed, and he's trying to develop this. It's for someone who's an amputee. Mm-hmm. Instead of putting something cloth around, around the, the part that was amputated before they put their prosthetic on, he was 3D printing something that would act as a barrier to, to, to stop any skin irritation. Yeah. Huh. And the first print failed. Second print failed. The third one we just printed and it worked, but in the curing process, it cracked. Oh. Mm. So, again, back to the drawing board. He just has to engineer mm. it to be a little bit thicker mm-hmm. because the material only flexes to a certain point before it cracks. See, it's so great, though, that he can come and experiment with that without breaking the bank and, yeah. you know, know yeah. he'll have help. And it's, it's, and it's exciting because you feel like you have a small hand in helping this person develop something. And mm, everyone who's right. come in so far has been doing something there is a profit margin or a profit motivation for it. Yeah. But initially, there's such creativity with it mm-hmm. that, you know, the developing something that could possibly be, you know, the next big thing. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. How great would it be to say, oh, this was developed, I helped 
I had help with librarians at my local library mm-hmm. to develop this item. Yep. Well, that's something that we should we should do actually. Is you know, um, I'm just thinking of you know something like a writer's you know. Um, the words escaping like a writer's like, workshop yeah. like for a engineers residency like a or something like somebody writes a you know gets space at new york public to write a, a novel yeah. and then in that novel they give credit to the library that sort of thing so yeah yeah i mean that's something that i hope one day you know we could achieve yeah mm-hmm. and then another thing that i'm we're going to be developing i mean since i'm doing it here uh developing podcasting Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think that's... And we've had yeah, some yeah. interest already. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. yeah. When you talk about teens and streaming, like I'm really hoping to set up like a Twitch lab. That would be or great. Or something yeah. where the kids can like live stream themselves playing games and stuff like that because that's just so insanely fun and popular right now. Sure. You know, but it's not that expensive to roll out something like that, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And one thing that we were exploring at one point was building a, a not just a studio, but a sound booth. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know a band can come and record a demo. Yeah. yeah. Like how cool that would be if the next Nirvana or, yeah. you know, Metallica or a group, so they got their started, you know, your local library. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, it's as easy as doing what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. An iPad, a mixing board, and some microphones. Right, yeah. exactly. And all these technology items are, like, really reasonably priced nowadays. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, for decent yeah. equipment. So. Yeah, my friend Jeff over in Idaho at the Salmon Public Library, he was on a couple episodes ago. And I found him on Twitter because he tweeted to ALA, hey, look what we're doing in Idaho. Mm-hmm. And he basically, he bought the sound absorbent material, the egg crate stuff. Yeah. That's real, you know, the real stuff, not not that foam stuff that, you know, you pack stuff in like with computers. Mm-hmm. And he bought it on uh, Amazon and they were exploring all different ideas of how to get it on the wall. And he just took T pins that... Uh, seamstresses use to, for hemming mm-hmm. and stuck them in the walls. And mm-hmm. that's how they're sitting in there. So if one day they wanted to take it down, all they have are little tiny holes in the sheetrock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all this ingenuity. Yeah. I think yeah. librarians bring a lot of ingenuity to what they do. Yeah, definitely. Because you know, now we could take a room, make it a multi-purpose room, or you know, now put mm-hmm. the sound material up, now take the sound material yeah. down. Right. So nothing yeah, is just, ever really permanent. Yeah, just yeah. not being afraid to experiment like that and use it for different spaces. Yeah, yeah it's for sure. Different purposes. Yeah. And it takes leadership too, of course, from you know your director, assistant director, mm-hmm. your board. Yeah. yeah. And if you have you know leadership that's courageous, you could do some wonderful things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's one thing that's nice here. Like we, you know, we never feel like you know we always feel supported no yeah. matter how. Sometimes you know we have some wacky ideas, but we <laughs> we never feel like uh, we can't you know suggest them. And you never get the eye roll. No, no, no we no, really just get you know so much support uh, for trying different things. It's nice, and it's also creative to try to do From it on a, a shoestring well. budget too. Yeah. yeah, I think too is like we're not we're not afraid of failing. You know, right. at least you learn something. So we'll try something. It's not working. We'll tweak it or do whatever. We don't just throw up our hands and say, "Well, that didn't work." Right. You know, so I think that's an important attitude to have, too. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I always use the Edison example. He didn't invent the, invent the light bulb the first time out. So yeah. imagine if he would have stopped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with Henry Ford or the Wright brothers or anybody else. Eventually, somebody else would have gotten it, but it wouldn't have been that person. Yeah. Tesla yeah. would have done it all. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Everything would be fluorescence now. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and that's interesting, too, because especially with our kids, we don't, you know, we're so afraid of them failing. 
Failure is so important. It is it's completely so important. important. Yeah. You got to mess up from time to time. Right. Not yeah. everything is rainbows and ponies. Yeah. Yeah. So I love it when my kid fails. It's hysterical. <laughs> so funny. Oh, boy. Oh, I love it. That's the great. Falls, the falls. Oh, it's great. The screaming, the yelling. Yeah. <laughs> the horror of it all. <laughs> now I know why you don't want to wear your earphones yeah. anymore. <laughs> So one last question. I know that you kind of wanted to bring it up was the, you know, curating digital materials. Um, I found that kind of an interesting topic. Can you tell me a little bit about how you curate digital material? I don't know if we really. Do we? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you look at something like Overdrive. (laughs) They kind of do it for you, right? Yeah, like curation, like I think there's addition and subtraction. Mm -hmm. And I think we're just always in addition mode. We're just right. always adding more mm-hmm. and more and more. Well, we do, you know, in the sense of, like, deciding what to put on Roku's. Yeah. And, and, you know, we can do certain collections, yeah. like on Hoopla. One place where we're really curating digital materials is our local history yeah. um, yes. center. And we have a great local history center with, you know, tens and tens of thousands of photographs that um, a large percentage of them have been digitized and are online and and are you know there's a lot of curation that goes into that yeah. sure because you have to tag them the right way and you do mm-hmm. it's a lot of work but we're actually rolling out a new platform for presenting those materials in chronicle mm-hmm. you know so that's been kind of right neat. and actually a bunch of stuff um just went on our um google arts and culture mm-hmm. um one of our special collections that's great. On, yeah. uh, Google, Google's, uh, you know, where they have museum collections and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that's yeah. really cool. That is very that's cool. Nice. Yeah. I think the presentation's important. Like, it's one thing mm-hmm. to digitize, like, a million different pieces of material, but it's another to carefully select right. a theme and present certain important pieces and change it up. It has to be more than just searchable. It has to be interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, because you can, you can Google Port Washington Boulevard in 1900 Big deal. Yeah. I mean, if it's not organized, you know, in a certain way to, to make it interesting, mm-hmm. not necessarily entertaining, like, you know, like a movie or something, but to try to tell a story or put it in conjunction with a story, almost like a Ken Burns kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe. That's true. Well, we actually did that. We, um, we made a, a few years back, we made a, a Ken Burns style, little like 10 minute Ken Burns movie. Really? Actually, I did it on. A MacBook um, using historic photos, and we made a little movie with narration. And there's actually, you know, you use iMovie, and there's actually a Ken Burns effect where you can, <laughs> you know, pan yeah. and and right, yeah, scan across yeah. it. And um, it's yeah, it's a nice way to take, you know, to take stuff and you know make it more accessible and. You know, it tells a story. It's more than tell just seeing a story a with it. Exactly. Yeah. Because history, you're supposed to be telling a story in history, not saying, here's Port Boulevard in 1905. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where is that? I don't know where it is. Where is it in relation to today? Mm-hmm. Uh, you see a lot of times now uh, on, on, I see it on Facebook a lot, but there are websites also where they take images from World War II and they fade in. They, they have a picture from today and they fade in that same exact spot where the mm-hmm. German yeah. soldiers were standing in Paris or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and like that really yeah. yeah, that really brings it brings it home. Yeah. Yeah. I there's mean, a um there's this thing we were experimenting with for a little while. I 
it's been a while i i don't we never used it that much but it's called a history pin and it's it lets you put your historic photos uh like overlay them on street view on like google maps street really? view and just fade them in and out um you know and locate them on a map it's pretty cool we should look at that again but that's that's really cool yeah yeah i was um there's something that I would love to somehow get in touch with Google. Uh, City of New York, back between 19, I think it was 1936 and 1942, took a picture of every structure in the city mm-hmm. for for tax um, for tax uh, not abatement tax uh, assessment. Assessment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about how cool that would be if they could if Google could get a hold of that and do a Google Street View of that whole thing, map it out, because obviously hmm. they know where each thing is. Every picture is labeled. Huh. I found out because yeah. I wow. got it from my dad for Christmas one year, his, his apartment building in Brooklyn. And huh. it, people who listen to this podcast are sick of me telling the story. But um, <laughs> So they, the picture was taken, and there were two old people walking down the street, and it was his grandparents. What? Wow. And the picture was taken... I think a year or two before he was born. Oh wow, wow that's amazing! Wow. And we, I blew that it up and very took cool. a real yeah. hard look at it, and we compared huh. it. They weren't facing the camera, uh-huh. but based upon their their posture and their body style, and the fact that it was 17th Street in Brooklyn, yeah. Huh. And at that time period, and we looked at old pictures, and we determined it was his grandparents. That's really yeah. cool. It'd be cool to map Weird. those old photos to like the Google 3D view. Yes. Too, yeah. You know, which they're rolling Think about out. what it would yeah. do with people with Alzheimer's wow. who grew up That's in amazing. the city. Huh. And wow. then throw on VR headset. VR headset and walk through <laughs> old New York. Walk through the old yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Because we've done that with the VR with, with people who, you know, elderly people who, you know, wanted to see what Street View was like. And you give them the address, you put the address in and say, That's not my where I lived. I don't see that. That's not what it looked like. Because mm-hmm. so much has changed. Yeah. Buildings uh-huh. have been knocked down, new yeah. buildings have been built. So Imagine if you could do that with going back in time. Mm-hmm. And the archive is there in the city. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's already started in the sense that, you know, if you look on Google Street View now, you can go back. Yes, you can go back in to, time. Yeah, the last like few years. 2007 yeah. so, and 2010, you know, whenever they did their past. still fairly recent, but 20 years from now, you're going to be looking back at now mm. on it. It's, you know, so you will have that. There yeah. might have been Ellen that was actually doing a memory exercise mm-hmm. for people with Alzheimer's that was based upon music. Yes, I've mm. heard like about that. Like time period, yeah. correct music. So, like that would be interesting to stroll through a neighborhood and like think about that. We do it Alzheimer's. Listen to the music yeah. and have on the VR goggles. Yeah, <laughs> think. I mean, because I know that I've seen there have been no formal studies, but there have been. I think doing at Johns Hopkins um, and doing it with. Um, with Gulf War vets and Iraq vets and Afghan vets who are paralyzed, mm. where they're in a VR experience. And they mm. start, whether it's psychological or not, they're starting to feel tingling in, in extremities that were paralyzed. Yeah. Hmm. So they're now exploring whether or not it's going to help with spinal cord injuries. Mm. Oh. So there's a lot to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just think about our parents when we were young saying, you're sitting too close to the TV. It's going <laughs> to ruin your eyes. And now we have them like, like literally your two and a half inches from your face. <laughs> <laughs> that and, and don't spin the clicker, right? You'll break the clicker. <laughs> wow. Well, this has been great, guys. I mean, yeah. We, you know, we talked a lot about a lot of good stuff. We even off roaded a little bit, which is great. I'm down. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. So we're <laughs> yeah, going to take a short a break. When we come back, we're going to ask you guys our uh, top 10 list. 
And uh, I'm going to read from my script here for a second. Uh, we give you, it's, we call it the 032 list, mm -hmm. which uh, corresponds to the Dewey number for top 10 lists. So it's a top 10 list that we ask all of our guests. Mm -hmm. So we'll be back in just a minute, and we will take a short break and come right back. Okay, we are back here at the Port Washington Library, and we're here talking with, with James and Dan, and we are going to ask them the top 10 list, uh, or what we like to call the 032 list. And uh, first, we have to actually give credit to Literary Hub, because they were the inspiration for this uh, list. So we uh, wanted to say thank you to Literary Hub. Uh, check out their website, www.lithub.com. Uh, they're also on Twitter and Facebook, so give them a, give them a look because they do some great things for libraries. So thank you, Literary Hub. Thank you. Thank you. So here is the first question. Wait, what did you say you call this? The O three two. The O three two list. The Dewey o number for top ten lists. Oh, man, see, yeah, I don't know Dewey yeah. well enough to get. I don't that. either. That's and actually, I forgot to give credit where credit is due. Librarian yeah. reference. I know. Yeah. yeah. Well. We can blame. Usually, we, we thank <laughs> Melanie Cardone from the Longwood Public Library, and no, we don't get five dollars for a mention from her. Um, but now we can just curse her for being a, a, a Dewey nerd. <laughs> Sorry, Mel. Okay, so first question: What did you want to be when you were a child? Oh boy. Um, older. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to live to see the next day. Is that what it was? Yeah. One day at a time. Yeah, I wasn't really thinking too far ahead. Oh, you didn't run around with the fireman costume on or anything? I don't think so. I don't no? Really... I wanted to be an architect for a while. Mm. I just wanted to be a cop and a fireman. Not good at math, you guys are though. way smarter than I am. <laughs> wow. What was your first memory of a library, and who brought you to the library for the first time? First memory for me was definitely mm -hmm. doing a school project and having to go to the Westbury Library where it's my hometown library, but I couldn't actually check anything out because I didn't live in the library district. I was in, <laughs> I was in an unserved area. Mm -hmm. Oh, that contract one area. Yeah. One of those yep. interlopers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, snuck in, made some photocopies, and ran out. Nice. Again, yeah. nice. Mine is actually in this library, in the uh, children's room. Huh. And you were... 25 at the time. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> no, I, I grew up in town here, so yeah, oh, okay. I spent a lot of time here as a kid. Yeah. Okay. So when did you decide to work in a library? And if not, 
if it wasn't your first career choice, which happens for many librarians, uh, what was uh, your first career choice? I just totally fell into it. Really? Yeah. I think the local library was, they had a lot of broken computers and stuff like that, and I would just volunteer to fix them, mm -hmm. and they were appreciative, of course. And uh, then, I don't know, I just liked the environment. And then somebody said to me, oh, there's an opening at NLS at Alice. You should go for it. They're looking for an IT person to do help desk support. I was like, sure. The money was good. Pay was good. It's a nice job. Wow. And then from there, getting to know the different libraries here in Nassau, there was an opening at Oyster Bay, and I went there, and then just sort of meandered. Yeah. But wow, that's pretty cool. It wasn't planned. It just kind of it just kind of fell yeah, into it. Wow. One nice opportunity after another. Yeah. Not bad. Cool. Um, You're not going to get off easy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was a uh, audio engineer. And um, no wonder why you were looking at my board yeah, and that's laughing why I at was me, checking out yeah. your. Yeah. Oh, it's overmodulating. I'm like, oh, this guy. Uh oh, oh crap! He knows what he's talking about. Sorry, that's okay. Um, you can point yeah, laugh later. So, um, no, I worked in. I was working in um, satellite radio and um, just like recording bands and stuff. And um, my wife is a librarian, and she was already working as a librarian, and. Um, she seemed to be, she always seemed to be in a better mood than me. You know? <laughs> she was like, she seemed to come home from work more, more satisfied or more fulfilled or something. Mm. So that's I, pretty funny. <laughs> I went that route too. That is funny. Okay, so who's your favorite fictional librarian? People either know something That's right away. So I did, easy. and I felt so nerdy Come saying on. it, but it always like pops into my head. But the Jedi librarian from Star Wars. That's really? a good one. Jacosta oh. New. I had to look Whoa. up the name, the okay, exact I name, but I always that. think about it. It's so funny. Like, oh, even Star Wars has a librarian walking around. <laughs> <laughs> it's vital, you know? It's like an That's important a good answer. job. I didn't know that. That is a good I one. Thought, uh, the only correct answer to that question is Batgirl. Thank I'm you. Batgirl. Thank you. Oh, okay. Finally a Batgirl. Yeah. Come on. Nobody finally. Nobody said back. No. What? I've heard all these obscure references. You get the Noah Wiley every now and then, oh, which is the on. lamest yeah. answer ever. But Batgirl. That's ridiculous. How could you not? She's Barbara Gordon. Movie. She is. Yeah, so. Joss Whedon. That's just awesome. Nice. Finally. Good meeting nice. of the minds. You you know about engineering. <laughs> you know about all right. I love it. See what Bob missed? <laughs> Bob Miss Batgirl probably sitting up there eating lobster rolls thinking thank god I'm chewing on a pine cone <laughs> maybe he hit a moose <laughs> he'll be in the news tomorrow with a moose in the front seat with him oh okay so what would you be doing if you were not working in a library I don't even know I don't even want to think about it I would I be like on vacation Permanently? Permanently. Well, if you worked at satellite radio, there could be a good chance of that, right? <laughs> right. Yes, pretty soon, yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite section of the library? Now, we originally meant this question to mean, like, you know, fiction, nonfiction, history, mm -hmm. biographies, but people come, have come up with, because libraries are evolving, you know, the makerspace, or one person even said the bathroom once. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It could be, hmm. yeah. It's fair. I mean, for mm -hmm. me, it's pretty predictable, but definitely the computer center. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's where I work day in, day out. But I feel like you get the most like immediate feedback from patrons there. Mm -hmm. so, like you, 
don't know, your interaction and the results and everything is just like so direct and you get like immediate feedback from people and you're like stunned at what blows people away. Like I helped some woman clean up her Gmail inbox. And it was like, <laughs> it's like the most amazing thing that ever happened in her life. And I don't know. It's just like really for me a, a fun area to be in. And it's always like something new going on. Mm-hmm. The technology is always changing. So it never gets stale. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's nice. It's a really fun area for me to be working in. Cool. It's a great answer. Um, well, in this library, I have to say probably the reading room just because that view yeah. the view is incredible. It's just, you know, yeah, atmosphere. Yeah, I tried really to catch it as yeah. the sun was going play. down. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. People walk up the stairs to it and just their jaws drop. Yeah, really. they just freeze. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also uh, the boiler room. The boiler room is very cool. <laughs> no, it's amazing how much stuff is in there, how much equipment and mm-hmm. infrastructure it takes to run the building. Don't it's tell really me the server's in there. Yeah. No, it's not. No, no, I was no. going to say, it's a little too warm <laughs> for the server. <laughs> no, no. Um, no, I don't mean like network infrastructure. I mean literally like, you know, furnaces and duct Heating work. and cooling and, and duct yeah. Work. yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Very clean. Very clean. <laughs> Eddie. Very clean, yeah. Boiler room. That's a first. Boiler room. And Batgirl. <laughs> okay, if you had infinite space and budget, what would you add to the library? Infinite space and budget. Infinite space and budget. Say like a, like a real theater, like an auditorium with, you know, fixed seating and... All the accoutrements yeah. and yeah, we've seen some nice ones. Yeah, Especially one we saw not too long ago that really wowed us. We're like, we wish we had this. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. For me, it's just like more space, more staff. More space, more staff. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. kind of goes hand in hand. But I feel like we could be offering more to people as long as we had the space. Then mm-hmm. you need the staff to support it. Right. You know. It's, yeah. And an ice hockey rink. An ice hockey, hockey rink. rink would be pretty nice. Yeah. This guy's hitting a home run. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so what do you love about your library? You can repeat the answer if you want from something else. Yeah, I think we've said that already. The boiler room. The boiler room. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds cliche, but the patrons. You know, I yeah. might come in here like, oh boy, another day at work. But then like, the first person I see is a patron like, hey, how's it going? Like, you need to help me with something. Or a like, friendly patron is nothing better. Yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like the awesomest feeling, I think. So. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I'd agree. Like, just you know how how much people love being here, and you know, it's really you just get that sense that people really love the place. You know, means something to them. Yeah. And when you take, like I said before, the profit and out of work. You know, it really means a lot to see people that are happy. Yeah. For the sake of being happy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's something that not a lot of people get if you're not in the library world. Right. Yeah. It's very fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. What's the weirdest thing, not necessarily the worst thing, but the weirdest thing that's ever happened in your library? And it's got to be G-rated because I don't have the explicit content on iTunes. <laughs> the weirdest thing. Um... I don't even know if I want to go there. I've seen a lot of weird <laughs> stuff. I've helped people do or deal with a lot of weird things, too. But I don't judge. 
That's why I'm like reluctant to even bring it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I can't think of anything offhand. This is going to be one of those things. This is going to be like a jerk store moment, you know, where I'm driving home. Yeah. You know, Costanza, I have to mm-hmm. swing, turn the car around, quick U turn. I should have said, but. <laughs> No, I can't. I can't think of anything right now. Nothing crazy's ever happened. Well, yeah, but it's just that the weirdest thing. It's not the weirdest thing ever. Maybe we're just like it's hard to think of it now. Used to it after a while. Maybe if it was my first year working in the library, I'd be like shell shocked by it. But after mm-hmm. years and years of helping people deal with personal things on the internet or whatever, <laughs> it doesn't really phase me anymore. Yeah, you kind of like. And the stories kind of fade in and out, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. We had um, we had a little animatronic pig here. Um, <laughs> they did. They yeah. They came to film. Uh, remember those Geico ads with the little oh pig god yeah little, right yeah. So they had him. They tried to uh, film a Geico ad here, but it never aired. I guess it didn't didn't meet their standards. Pass muster. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Geico commercials have standards. <laughs> Oh, wow. No no parrots or anything? Parrot. Is that a common thing? Do you find a lot of I Actually, at the library I worked with in the past, the guy came in with a parrot on his shoulder. Wow. Oh, really? And then huh. he put it on one of the chairs. We had Windsor chairs. And he just put it on the back, and he asked for a newsletter. I'm like, oh, he wants to see what's going on. No, he put it underneath the chair, just in case. <laughs> and then he went up into the stacks and disappeared for a half hour. Wow. And then huh. my boss came over and said, what's with the parrot? I said, oh, guy walked in with a parrot. It's not the beginning of a joke. He's, <laughs> guy walks into a library with a parrot. Yeah. And then he, he goes, well, you have to tell him you can't bring a parrot in here. So I went up to him and said, okay. my boss came up and said, can't bring in a parrot. He's it's a therapy animal. I was about to say, service <laughs> animal. And here's your newsletter back. He didn't crap on it. <laughs> so, you know, I got tons more stories, but it's not, my, not me to answer the questions. It's you guys. <laughs> So yeah. that's it, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna remember something later, yeah. but oh, I can't. the phone. I've helped a lot of people delete photos off their phone. Very, uh oh. <laughs> but even then, like I don't judge. I think that's why the people come to the library. Yeah, they have a phone judging. in my face. They know I'm not gonna like judge them or hold it against them. They're like, please delete these personal photos. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who's your favorite regular patron? You know, someone you see all the time. Oh. Who you don't want to, you know, they walk in, you go, oh no, I'm hiding. Here comes XYZ. Yeah, there's, well, there's, you know. has <laughs> <laughs> got a few, but. I don't think I can go into it. Yeah. I got one in mind that's uh, yeah, but fun, but it's too, uh, <laughs> it's too specific. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I can. Uh, it's hard to keep it anonymous, there. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You shouldn't go there. I mean, I've got like a friendly patron that comes in, Bruce. He was here today. Mm-hmm. Bruce. He's kind of nice. Yeah. I don't know, Bruce. He always goes to the computer center, but we end up just shooting the breeze and talking about motorcycles and digital photography and stuff we've got a common interest. Never talk about books. <laughs> Never talk about the library or anything like that. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's just kind of <laughs> nice when he pops by and we just catch up with each other. And it's like a nice break throughout the day. You know? <laughs> Okay, you ready for the last question? All right, yeah. Okay. What are people without library cards missing out on? Everything. Everything. 
That's a common all answer we get. Sorts of stuff. Um, yeah, well, you know, the obvious stuff. But, um, you know, the main thing is they're, they're missing out on things they don't, they don't know they're missing out on. They're missing out on discovery and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the joy of finding the unexpected. They're missing out on things they paid for. Well, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> it's true. You know what else they missed out on? Bob and Keith. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Keith. I shouldn't really pick on him. Bob's the one that should bear the brunt of this. Keith texted me. Oh, he did. Uh Uh-oh. We should have texted him the list. (laughs) Yeah. He says... Help? (laughs) He said, sorry again, I couldn't stay. Hope it went smoothly. Oh, it did. Yeah, it went pretty good, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not so bad. Sure did. Well, thanks, guys, for having us. Oh, thank you. Having me, Bob Stolen, Maine with the moose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was really great coming out. And like I said, I have family, and they actually came by to say hi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that was cool that we got to meet them. Yeah. yeah. They seemed like a, a fun fun. And my sister-in-law didn't get tackled on the way in. Yeah, we allowed her. Yeah. So why does she think she's banned? I don't know. I, we got to straighten this out. I'll give you her info later. Maybe pull up her library card. Comes up in red flashing letters. Definitely not banned. There's no way. (laughs) We're very forgiving here. I don't think we're in strict libraries. Look at that. We have some detente. (laughs) (laughs) I'll text her later and say, you're not banned. You didn't have to sneak in. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks again, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. So I'm going to do my little closing here now. Um, So... That's all the time we have for this, this edition as I look for the... I'm missing the button, right? So I'm going to pretend like I'm not pressing the button for the bed music. Uh, that's all the time we have for this edition. If you have any questions or comments on, about the show, please go to the contact us section of our website, thelibrarypros.com. We'll, we'll also have notes and links from uh, all of our episodes. And you can check us out on Twitter uh, at, uh, at the Library Pros or on Facebook at facebook.com slash libraryprose. And so you don't miss a thing, don't forget to subscribe on our RSS, iTunes, Android, email, and Google Play accounts. And remember, the opinions stated by the library pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob and not those of the Sachem Public Library, Clink Clink, Tameric, uh, the Emma S. Clark Memorial Library, if Bob was here, uh, or any of the library. So we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippet Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Christofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachem Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch. <laughs>